take our Bibles. Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 26. Matthew 5, 21 through 26. <clears throat> Let's read this in unison. Uh, you can look in your Bibles. It's also on the screens. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there remember brother hath aught against thee, gift at the altar, and go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, Thou shalt by no means out, till thou hast paid the utmost farthing. Dear God, thank you for all the instruction that you've given in your word about how we should live and who you are. God, and now that you've saved us, um, we want to do our very best, Lord, to live in accordance with you, in accordance with the Holy Spirit. So we ask now at this time that you'd help us in our minds as we, we consider these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I called this sermon it's not even proper English or anything. Serious interpersonal is what I called it. Serious interpersonal. Um, you know, interpersonal things or relationships with other people is serious. It's serious stuff in the eyes of God. And we, I want to go over verses 21 through 24, first of all, kind of as a warm-up and a reminder, but really what struck me most about the seriousness of interpersonal issues was in verses 25 and 26. And that's what I, I want to end on because that's what really struck me about God's attitude and how um, what, how he feels about the way that we deal with people 
and the seriousness of that reflected in the last two verses of this passage. But let's start with the earlier, earlier ones and we'll kind of go from there on the seriousness of interpersonal alignment and unity with other human beings. Um, so, of course, he starts with the, the law. Uh, says that the law is not for a righteous man somewhere in the word of God but it's for um, it's for wicked people to show them that they're sinners um, the law is is the ground that we walk on as spirit-filled believers it says unless our righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and the teachers and the law we will in no way enter heaven so he starts off with thou shalt not kill um, pretty useful in terms of uh, keeping things right interpersonally right there. Um, but then he moves on in verse 22, just when they were starting to think, feel pretty self-righteous, well, praise God, I'm, I haven't killed anyone by God's grace. Uh, I know I'm a good person. And then he starts to uh, raise the bar a little bit, verse 22. But I say unto you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause... <coughs> And I would just like to say concerning that clause there, without cause, there may be somewhere in the economy of righteous living an appropriate anger. But to be honest with you, in my experience, it's the exception instead of the rule. Right. Most anger towards other people I've found is carnal. Um, like I said, I'm not excluding the possibility of a righteous anger, but I think that a righteous anger would... Um, I wouldn't want to excuse myself too quickly and say that my anger's righteous. Right. Because if I said that, I better make sure that I have the same level of burden and true concern in all areas uh, before I started using that one as an excuse. Right. Some Bibles, of course, exclude that um, as a textual variant. But I don't like to go there. Um <clears throat> I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger uh, of the judgment. And whoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Now that sounds pretty serious to me yeah. right there. It seems to me that what God is saying is that obviously this whole interpersonal deal is a lot of what we're dealing with when it comes to keeping our heart, right? And that it's a serious thing to guard our heart and continue to work with ourselves continually in this area, not to let our guard down, not to compromise, because if I read this correctly or if I understand what Jesus is saying correctly, He's saying that if things get ingrained, bitterness gets ingrained, says somewhere that a root of bitterness springing up shall defile many. Um, if we allow ourselves to tolerate attitudes, judgments, bitternesses towards other people, uh, long term, and these become ingrained and our hearts get hardened, then it can lead us to a dark place and possibly even a place of backsliding, separation from God. He says, anyone who says, thou fool, anyone who has harsh, condemnatory, 
judgmental bitterness towards other people is in a dangerous place and it's serious. So it's pretty sobering right here. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, verse 23, and rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee. So, um, so we're talking now about doing a, a religious thing, right? Apparently, God's religion is sometimes different from man's religion. If thou bring thy gift to the altar, you're there doing, thinking to yourself, oh, I'm fulfilling my religious duty here. And God's like, no, there's something way up the list here. If you, wanna, if you want to worship, if you want to meet your religious obligations, there's, some, there's something else going on. And there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee. Now, isn't that funny? Does that ever happen to anyone else? Do you happen to remember things during your devotions? Happen to remember things, you know, as you're praising the Lord? Where does that come from? Oh, it's just the devil just trying to distract me. I'm I'm trying to do my devotions here. I'm trying to be all spiritual. Get this stuff out of my mind. Oh, it's no distraction. Now, there can be distracting thoughts I know but there's times when no this is the exact reason why we came here this is it and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee you don't oh I'm clear with everyone in the whole world now that's good is everybody in the whole world clear with you because love if we acknowledge the seriousness of this, it is wonderful to be clear with everyone. But love, if we find out that someone else has a problem with us, um, love says, I've got to go and help these people out. Talk about this. Do I need to repent of something? Do they have some misconceptions? Do they, need it? Do they have a problem that they need to get over? Whatever it is, um, Love says, we're going to try and figure out what this is and help this other guy out, even though I don't, I don't have anything against him. Um, leave thy gift there at the altar. That's another amazing statement, isn't it? This is Jesus speaking here. This is the Holy Spirit speaking here. This is God Basically saying, this interpersonal thing is pretty serious. And you came here to worship me, and that's good. You should worship me. I can wait. I've been around for a long time, and I'm going to be here for a long time. So I can wait. But you've got some human stuff going on that can't wait. It's urgent. Because... Every day that goes by, every hour that goes by when there is an an unresolved issue, that is a day and an hour, a minute, whatever, where all this other stuff over here is held in check. All these other blessings, all these other situations, ways that I want to use you, but I'm, who knows? Maybe it's held in check because this needs to get 
dealt with here. So I can wait, but quick, get this taken care of. Leave thy gift before the altar. I can, I can wait to get this sorted out. Go thy way. Go thy way. There's something in us we just don't like to go, do we? We don't. There's, there's, there's a crossing going. But going is love. Going is worship. Because in going, we have to deal with our fears, don't we? We have to be the mature one. There's a situation going on here. Nobody else is taking the initiative. Nobody else is dealing with it. Okay, if it has to be, it's up to me. I don't know about anyone else in this universe, but I know I've got to be clear with God. And I'm going to bring this up. I'm going to see that this is resolved. Even if I find out some ugly stuff about myself that I didn't even know about that I have to repent of, it's worth it. It's worth it for the kingdom. But to go is, uh, is love. That's courage. That's facing our fears. What's the other person going to say? Will they reject me? Will they chew me out? Doesn't matter. Once we know what we've done, we've laid down our life, we've done our part, it's in God's hands after that. The Holy Spirit is released now to deal with that other person. But leave your gift at the altar, go thy way. That's worship right there. You're saying, God, you are worthy of this. This might not make me feel comfortable. I don't know what's going to happen, God, but you are worthy of this. Leave your gift at the altar. Engage in this other form of worship. I'm sure some of us have uh, hesitated to cross the room during the church service <coughs> to make things right with another person. But what I see here is like, Hey, if it means getting your jacket on, getting in your car and driving across town, do it. Yeah. Go thy way. First be reconciled to your brother. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just, again, it's just um, reinforces to me how important this is to God. That's all I'm seeing here tonight that I want to bring before you. Serious interpersonal. This stuff's important to God. Um, it says here, uh, where are we at? First be reconciled to thy brother. Reconcile give you Webster's in this. Webster's a great preacher. To conciliate anew. To call back into union and friendships the affections which have been alienated. To restore to friendship or favor after estrangement. As to reconcile men or parties that have been at variance. And then of course Webster himself under his definitions he gives the examples of how the word is used in a sentence, but he quotes scripture. So what does he quote? Matthew 5, 24. Go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother. To reconcile, to conciliate anew. Um, <clears throat> go be reconciled to thy brother. Where are we at? 25. 
Um, no, wait a minute. No, that was 24. And then come and offer thy gift. 25. A, so, so now, so that was like the warm-up about, I mean, it's already, there's already enough here to show us how serious God is about this interpersonal deal. But when we go to 25, to me, we see a, a, a fresh angle of how God deals with us that again reinforces how, how strict he is with this. Because it seems to me, um, in the previous examples, we have brother, brother, brother. Not in verse 25. It's not explicitly stated, but I have the suspicion that, that now we're moving up to everybody in the whole world. Unbelievers. How do you deal with unbelievers? So we have an, an, an adversary, which is an accuser. Presumably in these two verses, this is like a legal case that's come up. Um, so when it comes to dealing with unbelievers, I guess we might ask ourselves, you know, the previous two seem to be more directed towards brothers, but it's really important, of course, we know to have things right between fellow Christians. But if we can't even get along with fellow Christians, how in the world are we going to get along with the world, the worldlings? God help us. And sadly, um, you know, the Western church, the American church, it didn't have a good record of Christians making sure that things are right and kept right. You know, now there's church splits everywhere. And we know the devil gets in and there can be battles. We've had battles too, but let's make sure that things, if people have to go their own directions, make sure things are right. You know, make sure that you don't just kind of like, well, we'll go and get a building on the other side of town and I won't have to see you and we've got the issue sorted out now. Do we have Christians running around this town avoiding one another? Ooh. So, um, and what I see here in our dealings with worldlings, God holds us to a high level of strictness and accountability uh, so we'd better be right with the church so that we're standing on solid grounds to be right and to stay right with them, with the worldlings, as much as possible, it says somewhere, as much as lies in us at least. Um, so we've got this legal case going on, and uh, the Word of God says we, we must needs be in the world, right? I mean, all of us deal with unbelievers somewhere along the line, whether we pick up the phone and call customer service, whether... You know, it's our doctors or whether it's the educational. So we all have to deal with, with unbelievers. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes we can get into sticky situations. And sometimes um, we are the ones who might not have had things perfect. Right. You know, you get in heated situations, you get in passionate situations, commerce, business, stuff like that. Um, so it behooves us as people who have the Spirit of God, even if we don't see our fault as being the main issue and the problem, we better find our 1% and, and own it pretty fast, it says here. 
pretty fast. It says, agree with an adversary quickly. It's a time-sensitive issue again. Previously, God said he could wait, and now in verse 25, we've got this quickly again. If you don't get this dealt with quickly, you could find yourself in a worse situation. This could blow up on you. Um, we, in, in tough situations where there's friction, the responsibility lies with us, and God places the responsibility with us, even if they're 99% wrong and we're 1% wrong or could have done something better. We're the ones that have the Spirit of God. They don't. And even if they claim some kind of Christianity, I don't know what kind it is. We're, we are the ones to whom much has been given. So we should find even the 1% something that we could have done better and admit it and own it and own the standard of glory and perfection that our God holds us accountable to and ask for forgiveness. I think uh, Paul said to the Corinthians, wouldn't you rather be ripped off? Didn't he say that about lawsuits? He says, why wouldn't you rather be wronged than, than do what you're doing? Dragging people through court to defend your own rights. Make sure there's no hard feelings. Because what I see here is that God's saying, if this goes to law, and we know how messed up man's justice can be, and you end up getting something that you may not regard as justice, it's your fault in the first place for letting it get that far. This is strict right here. God's like, I'm not going to intervene. The consequences are going to be on you because you should have had it dealt with before you even got to the courthouse. That is the, the seriousness of the standard that God holds his children to. It's like, remember when you were raising your kids and there would be situations with other kids, neighborhood kids, whatever. And you'd have to sit down with your kids and say, look, I, we don't know what they know. But we know we have Jesus. We're going to have to be the ones to take the low road. Worldlings can't humble themselves. Can they? We can. We've already done it once. We've already had to admit that our whole life was founded on the wrong basis, didn't we? Right. On the day that we repented. Amen. We can do it again. Yes. God gives grace to the humble. Right. But he resists the proud. We are the ones that are called to take the low road. We are the ones to find our 1% where the other party is like 99% totally out of order and they won't even admit it. God gives grace to the humble. And he's saying, I'm, what, I'm just telling you what I see here. This is serious. God takes interpersonal relationships seriously, whether it is with believers, of course, we know that, but even with unbelievers, that we would be blameless, that we would own our fault if necessary. If it's been something imperfect, own it, apologize, humble yourself, because if it escalates, you could be in trouble. And God says, I'm not going to get you out of it. Ooh, that's pretty tight. But we have Jesus. We have a God. Mm -hmm. Praise God. 
they are fighting for their rights because they think that they're the ones that need to look out for number one. But we've got a great God. We've got a great God that's going to look out for us. He's going to make sure that we're provided for. He's going to make sure that fence gets paid for. You know, fill in the blank, whatever it is, right? He'll make sure we're not out of pocket when we walk through heaven's gates. So we can lose face, we can lose out, and we can win in the high court of heaven. And you know what? Maybe they will too, because maybe they'll realize that there's something about this God that we're following, and they'll want to follow him too. God, we just come before you humbly, Lord, knowing that we've all faced situations with others, other people, whether our brothers and sisters in the Lord or whether unbelievers. Lord, thank you. We, we need it. We need it. We need to be humbled. We need to be corrected. We need to even humble ourselves before people who we don't agree with, who are not living for you. And we know that you can be glorified through it all. But most of all, we want to please you, God. Thank you for your love. Help us to know the mystery of why you take this so seriously and why it's so important to you that we would have the same emphasis and the same vision that you do for your honor, glory, and pleasure. In Jesus' name, amen. God's good. Amen. He giveth more grace. It's a, it's a challenging message. I don't necessarily want to hear it all the time, but it's the truth. <laughs>